0: Hello, everyone. My guest today is Bill Babel. He's the CEO and founder of a company called Pingboard, which provides live org charts and planning software to thousands of companies. Before Pingboard, Bill was CTO and co-founder of a company called Webmail, the largest B2B email provider before Gmail. After Webmail was acquired by Rackspace, Bill co-founded Capital Factory in Austin, Texas to help entrepreneurs get off the ground and build great companies. Bill, are you ready to take us to the top? I'm ready. All right. So we're obviously friends, but I also always like when I go to New York and I walk in, you know, CAA's office or, or someone's office and you, it says, you know, type your name in and check in and tell the person you're here to visit that, that you're ready. And it says, you know, powered by Pingboard across the bottom. So t- tell us about the company and how you make money.
1: So, uh, that was actually one of our really early products that we since killed. Uh, I don't know if you know that. So our, our product today is org chart software for businesses. And we, we, didn't start there we kind of iterated to that over the course of the first two years of the business so we we basically sell software that helps companies build org charts and hiring plans and it's something that pretty much every company in the world needs to do
0: what got you what so that first that first kind of interaction I had with the product it was in the form of really honestly it was hardware there was obviously software powering the org chart behind it but did you why why did you start there from an iteration perspective did you pay for the hardware to get just get it installed and get it in offices and then why did you kill it So we
1: built that initially actually out of a need we had at Capital Factory we we needed basically a, a member directory and something sitting at the front door so that a visitor court could could Browse the or search the directory and ping the person they were there to see. That's basically how the name came about too. Pingboard. There's an iPad app uh, that let you do that. Uh, As we started selling the product, we uh, kind of got deeper and deeper into the directory and then the org chart side of things, and and really the the information sharing aspects inside of a company. And really just found a sweet spot with org charts because it's been I I think I think it's it's an interesting combination of something every company needs, but something that is overlooked and Really, there's no solid software for it out there. Everybody kind of still build org charts in PowerPoint
0: and Visio. I was going to say, so people listening like this are going to go, wait, I'm curious. I'm curious if Bill's doing well. I mean, when I do an org chart before a board meeting, I jump into like, I create some rectangles and a like sketch mock-up and I put some people's names in it and I copy it into my, my PowerPoint file and boom, there's my org chart. What's different about what you're offering? So
1: yeah, you can build a small org chart pretty quick in PowerPoint. What we sell is something typically to companies with hundreds or thousands of employees, and it lets you tie in Pingboard into your HR system or your identity management system, so that data as a new hire comes on board or or as somebody's promoted, that data flows into Pingboard and keeps the org chart up to date. And then kind of that that's kind of one aspect of it being live. in quote, and the other side of it is all the employees in the company have that data on their phone, so as soon as that new hire joins. You know, they're added to the HR system, it flows through to Pingboard and it flows through to their iPhone or Android so that they, they can always know that they have this real-time information about their coworkers. You know, they, they can easily find someone if they need to contact someone.
0: And when was year one for this this project idea? When did you jump out and start doing it?
1: We launched early 2014.
0: 2014. And since then, I'm sure you have many different cohorts of customers. To avoid going down kind of every cohort, give me a general sense. On average, what are teams paying to use the platform?
1: Uh, across the board, it's about uh, $220 per month.
0: Okay. And then we have
1: some that are paying in the multi-thousands and some as low as like $30 a month. Uh, just kind of varying depending on size.
0: That That's such a a $220 price point is so tricky. It's small enough where you can't afford to put touch on it, right? But it's like, it's big enough where someone might want to get on the phone before they put their credit card in. How do you manage either going like downstream or upstream, or are you happy being right there?
1: So this is how I built my whole career. It, it, it's all about high volume transactional selling and it's heavy, heavy marketing. So we, like for example, with our product today, we we generate about 3,500 Signups per month. So companies come to our site and sign up for a free product, and that's like our lead funnel that we then kind of convert through various stages of getting them onto one of the paid trial plans, and having a salesperson kind of hold their hand a little bit, maybe get their data integrated with their HR system. So so, uh, it's a very like high high volume on the top of the funnel as far as marketing goes, and then we 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 look at data to determine when a salesperson should get involved in that process. And this is how we built the email business too. Like we, when we sold that business to Rackspace, we had like around 80,000 customers. And I think the average price point there was closer to $20. Yeah, <laughs> so
0: yep. it, was, it was crazy. But you, do you have salespeople there? And, and basically the leading indicator would be if they selected a team size of more than a thousand, make sure you give them a call because that's a big plan for you guys.
1: We had salespeople there. We actually called every single customer back then. Uh, oh wow. Partially because such high volume, we had to deal with a lot of fraud and with email people would sign up and send spam or do scams and stuff. So we picked up the phone and called everybody. And if we couldn't get them on the phone, we shut off their account until we could. Um, But uh, like the sales process there was pretty similar where somebody signs up, they can buy fully and use it in minutes without ever talking to somebody. But depending on the profile of the customer, you know, we, we would try to get a salesperson to like go deeper with them and make sure that they have everything they need so that, kind of they stick with us after the trial period
0: yep so this whole engine there's kind of like three big components rel- relative to cost like your direct marketing spend you're spending on ads the salesperson when you do put touch and then you can kind of back into a fully weighted cac and a payback period i'd love to maybe break that down so what, what's team size today and kind of what's the breakdown on sales versus engineering
1: uh team size, so we just hired a 23rd person it is about I think it's about 40% sales, 40% engineering. And then there's a mix of like other roles in there. Yeah. Okay. In
0: role. And then, so you obviously have to fill these sales folks pipelines. You're doing that, you're doing 3,500 new leads per month. What is your, what are you spending to acquire these customers? Would you say fully weighted?
1: Uh, so you mean per customer? Like Yeah,
0: the, per customer. customer. Yeah.
1: Uh, so we spend about, a tw- it's about a 12 month uh, payback. So, you know, 220 uh,
0: about
1: 2000 well, it, Yeah, Yeah, so, somewhere in there. I, I was about to k- stop myself because math math a little bit. Uh, off. Across the board, it's $220 average customer size, but when it fir- when a deal first closes, it's about $150. We have a lot of expansion revenue that takes place over the life of the customer, yep. which is how that average comes up over time, which is a nice attribute of a high-volume business. Um, so uh, customer acquisition costs, it's about $150 times 12. And, and it ebbs and flows if, if we're... Scaling up ad spend, you know, it some inefficiencies and have to dial it in. But we try to get it to where it's about 12 month payback.
0: Mm-hmm. So with that 12 month payback, I'm assuming you're not you're not pulling plans all the way forward and having them pay on day one, because it sounds like as month by month by they pay they will expand as they add. I'm assuming a larger volume of employees to the the account. Is that your number one driver of expansion revenue? Is team size?
1: Oh yeah, it is. So we we do have other uh feature plans that companies can upgrade to, but that's rather new. We introduced that at the beginning of this year and um honestly haven't we haven't spent a lot of time on the expansion selling mo- motions yet. We've really just tried to make sure that as leads come in, we get them on the right plan from day one.
0: Mhm. And so, but
1: the, most of our expansion is yeah, it's, it's companies growing. I think a, a nice attribute or a nice uh uh the demographic we sell to. The people who are companies who need org charts the most are companies that tend to be growing, which, yeah. which is, is a nice <laughs> yeah. thing for us because we charge more the bigger you are.
0: Yeah, that, that's great. Um, walk me So it sounds like I'm curious to understand, you know, churn is critical in a business like this. I'm sure it was at Webmail as well because, right, a leaky bucket becomes harder and harder to fill over time. What are you guys at now in terms of churn and how do you think about that as you scale?
1: So, uh, yeah, we with a volume business, the churn is higher than like an enterprise business typically because there's no long-term contract. We churn about a percent and a half a month, which isn't, isn't too bad because it's actually offset by expansion revenue almost exactly. We're trying to get it to where expansion seeds churn, but right now it, it offsets it, which is, is nice. And, it, and that too, it ebbs and flows. Some months we're a little bit under, some months we're a little bit ahead. Looks like we're a little bit ahead this month.
0: Yep. So that's good. So just to be clear, 1.5% uh, kind of revenue churn per month, 1.5% expansion. So you have about 0% net revenue churn per month. Correct. On average. Yeah. That's obviously a really healthy place to be. Um, when people are churning, why are they churning typically? Are they just going out of business?
1: Uh, so there's a lot of customers who will use our product briefly and then turn it off. Like they needed to build an order chart for a board meeting. And maybe they sign they sign up for the paid plan just for a few features and then turn it off. So there's a, there's a decent amount of that, which is okay. We, you know, we try to nurture them and bring them back later. Uh, we just want to make sure they're successful with the product first and foremost. And then, uh, there's, uh, we have a uh, kind of a highest tier plan is where you can take Pingboard and, you know, the, the, on the low end you can build an org chart for free. The, on the mid end you can uh, build an org chart and have a few users using it. On the high end we try to get you to roll it out to your whole company. Um, actually our biggest source of churn is companies who bought the company plan to roll it out to everyone, but then for whatever reason they got pushed to the back burner and they didn't roll out. And three or six months later they shut it off.
0: Yep. Well, so what is what that motion? Yeah, I was going to say, what is that motion? Someone that, that exact story you just told, what do you know you've got to get them to do in the first week so they're going to be sticky? Like what input are they connecting where you're pulling employee data in from?
1: Uh, yes, yeah, so getting an integration turned on is one of the big drivers. So if they use like ADP for HR or Okta for identity management. We try to dig in and find out what systems they're using so that we can get them to connect those systems to ping board. Because once they do and they have accurate data, it's a lot easier to, to, to you know, make a decision to move forward. It, it, it gets tricky when there's manual processes involved in keeping the data up to date. Yep. Everybody's busy and has other systems to run. And um, ping, ping board isn't always the highest priority. And, and that, a lot of return comes about because, you know, it, 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 they feel it's going to be more effort to get it rolled out. So the easier, the quicker we can get them to turn on that data integration, the easier it's going to be for them to kind of, trust input and move forward
0: 2014 was day one. Your first customer was your own need at capital factory. What have you scaled to today in terms of total customers using the platform?
1: Uh, so earlier this year, we crossed a thousand customers, I believe we're around 1200 now. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's all it's customers with, uh, typically a few hundred to a few thousand employees. It, it, we're definitely in that like mid market range. So it's pretty nice. that you know, 1200 customers of decent size.
0: Yeah. Can I take Bill? Can I take the twelve hundred customers times that two twenty average price point you entered earlier to kind of back into M- MRR of about two
1: hundred sixty four? I think we're slightly higher than that, actually. We're okay. So, uh, yeah, we're so there. It's it's pretty close.
0: Yeah, that just means either a li- you have a couple more customers or ARPU's a little bit higher. But regardless, we're in the right range, which is all that matters. Talk to me about growth. If you're at that today, where were you in July twenty seventeen, a year ago? Uh So
1: I can. I know when we crossed the different million dollar milestones, so we, <laughs> uh, we crossed into 2 million in January of this year. We're crossing three right now. Um, we crossed a million, was it March of 2017?
0: Of yeah.
1: So we've been basically, uh, it was like 10 months to go from, I think that's right, 10 months to go from a million to two and then eight months to go from two to three. No, that's not, that's not right. Seven months to get to two, to two to three, something like that.
0: You're get, you're getting to the next million faster. The, the flywheel's spinning, right? It's, it's yeah. happening. I want to, uh, as we wrap up here, we have about two, three minutes left. Um, you're raising capital, but you're certainly not doing it in a kind of Silicon Valley go raise at a valuation that you're never going to be able to grow into and, you know, get diluted to all kinds of craziness, right? Walk me through kind of your strategy on capital raising and start with how much you've raised to date.
1: Uh, so we just finished a round, and we've approached it a little bit differently. We've raised three separate seed rounds that were each two and a half million dollars, which is very different. So we, were, we were raised seven and a half million total. And uh, basically, what what I've tried to do is, is, I guess you call it like just-in-time financing. So we raised two and a half million in the very beginning to to get the business off the ground. Unfortunately, we had kind of the wrong business model for the first two years, trying to sell that front office uh, solution. And uh, burnt through a good chunk of that money. And Ray, once we decided to focus on org charts and, and believe we found a, a unique opportunity there, we raised another two and a half to really like, build out that business. And that one felt much more like a true seed round. And then we just raised another two and a half. I was debating raising a, a, a tra- traditional Series A, like a larger round, um, but decided... Uh, to raise just two and a half for now, and uh, kind of complement that with some debt financing to kind of get it a little bit larger. And the main reason for that is, is the way I run the business. It's very much focused on investing every dollar we possibly can in growth, but not getting out ahead of our skis where we absolutely need to raise another round of funding later. A lot of people increase their burn to the point where they have no choice but raise another round, and 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 they try to hit certain milestones to make them fundable. Again, in quotes. Um, but more often than not, I see companies miss those milestones and get themselves in a bad position where they have to raise equity on, on bad terms. And we didn't want to do that. I always operate to where you know every few weeks we're tuning our financial model to try to make sure we touch zero in the bank account. Which by that I mean we spend every dollar. But the moment we run out of money is the moment we hit profitability. So we're like optimizing for that every day as we decide to scale. up. have a name.
0: Make- We were chatting the other day. You have a name for it. What's the name you call that? Is it the zero dollar moment or something?
1: The, the touch the touch zero. Oh, it moment. is. It's called for, the touch zero moment. Yeah. And then I've been calling our operating model the touch zero operating model because it's really designed about optimizing for that. Even like triggers for hiring and things like that is triggered based on like algorithms around burn and, and just trying to optimize for making sure you don't run out of uh, run out of cash, but also making sure you're not sitting on in cash. Like you want to, you want to invest every dollar. There's no point in having it sit in the bank.
0: Yep. it's in, when I saw you and Pat and your other investors kind of put out the article on the last raise. It, it's so uh, it, it, I obviously read it because I know how involved you are in many different funds. I know you have a lot of information about companies you've done it yourself before. So to see somebody like you do that, I think is a very strong signal to the market that more people should think about this kind of touch zero moment methodology.
1: Yeah, and the interesting thing that I found, I, I mentioned a minute ago, I was thinking about raising a traditional Series A, and I, I went out and talked to a lot of Bay Area investors you know, at the typical Series A funds, and just found that all of them, for their funds to work, they really want companies that are going to spend more than 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 what you can in a touch zero model. You, you're really kind of getting on the venture treadmill at that point, where you're really investing in, in you know scaling up your sales team, and engineering, and and doing so to the point where there's no choice but to raise a, a B round later and a C round, and um, it, it, it kind of takes that optionality off the table. To and if, if you know if, if you if you miss your milestones, you like I said earlier, put yourself in a bad position. Yeah. So I, I didn't uh, really want to raise from a, a traditional VC because they didn't really align with this touch zero operating style that that
0: I have. Who did you end up? But Go
1: ahead. Okay, not to say that I wouldn't consider it later. I think it's, I would consider a larger round when like, if if there was like a clear growth opportunity we unlocked that we had to capitalize on extremely fast. And I don't think that's what we have here. I think pushing that flywheel harder and harder every day is the right way to build this type of business.
0: Uh, which venture debt firm did you end up using?
1: Uh, we haven't done the venture debt yet. We're working on that at the moment, talking to several funds. We raised the equity from active capital which is a seed, seed fund here in uh, in Central Texas, um, but yeah, we're looking at a few different options as far as the venture debt goes, and, and my goal is to kind of bake that into our 2019 plan. Like we don't we don't need the cash at at the moment. We have some good options there.
0: Are you thinking you're going to go, there's a big, there are many different options and it can very confusing fast in terms of different venture debt offerings, but some people will do a revenue based financing, which is they will only lend so much, you know, a multiple of your current MRR, you know, Hercules might do 36 months, Timia might do six months, other people do other months. And then there's actually like, like royalty rate based financing, which is they'll do whatever the loan is, but then you pay it back as a percentage of revenue. Which route do you think you're going to end up going like the fixed kind of interest interest rate as a multiple of your revenue or paying back on a percentage of your revenue on a multiple and repayment cap?
1: Yeah, uh, most likely the, the uh, percentage of revenue route. The, uh, from what I've seen, you can get uh, better terms that way. And it's, it's actually easier to, to model and it's easier to plug into the touch zero operating model than I have, which I already have. And, and basically the way it worked out is it adds about two months to the payback period which is acceptable to accelerate, to basically buy more customers than you otherwise could at a cost of two extra months of, of uh, payback that I think is acceptable to me. So I'm looking at that option. I'm also getting terms from some of the you know, Silicon Valley Bank and those guys. Um, uh, I don't. Th- there's some caveats that come with those. So basically we're evaluating those options right now.
0: Yeah, those are very much more the kind of term loans, covenants, warrant kind of structure. Yeah, yeah. exactly. All right, Bill, let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh,
1: how, how to win friends and influence people.
0: Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Preferably an off kind of an under the radar one.
1: You know, not, not really. I don't, yeah, I don't That's think okay.
0: so. No, 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 no one there. That's okay. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your business?
1: Uh, man, we're loving HubSpot right now.
0: Are you are you put people are going to be emailing me after this going, wait, where can we get a template for this new, you know, is, you know, zero touch operating model? Are you publishing more content about this anywhere?
1: Uh, follow me on Medium. I'll be posting it soon. I'm working on that post.
0: Good. I was going to say that sounds like it could be the next version of Jeffrey Moore's crossing the chasm, but this is the more, you know, a different approach and Bill Babel's version.
1: Yeah, yeah. we uh, the hard part is taking what we've done and te- making it a template that can be reused. Right now, it's it's very specific to, to us.
0: Yep. Number four. How many hours of sleep are you getting every night?
1: Oh, I'm good at that. I get I get eight hours of sleep, and I've got two kids that get me up early. So I, I've got, the hardest thing in starting this business was trying to figure out how to schedule my life yeah. <laughs> because my first day. everything was work. But now now it's scheduled, and I get eight hours.
0: Married, two kids, eight hours of sleep, and uh, Bill, how old are you?
1: Um, 41, 41, yeah,
0: 41. <laughs> last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew?
1: I wish I knew about this touch zero operating model. I also realized, or I also wish that I realized, yeah, just, just about anything's possible. Like I got, I think a lot of things seemed harder than they actually are back then.
0: Guys, there you have it. He had a lot of success with the kind of a no-touch, high-velocity model at Webmail, one of the first email folks bef- even before Gmail was uh, in the game. Then he helped launch a thing called, uh, it's called Capital Factory here in Austin, Texas. They said, you know what? We need people. We need an easy way when people enter the office at, at Capital Factory to understand who to ping, to-, to have them come to the front to let them in. Thus, Pingboard was born. He burned through about 2.5 million bucks of capital in the early days on a wrong business model. Now is really just focused on the software for smart org charts. Many people are calling it really the smartest software for org charts launched in 2014, 23 people now here in Austin serving out 1200 customers paying north of 220 bucks per month. So right now doing about 264 grand per month in revenue. That's up. They crossed the 1 million mark in an AR mark in March, 2017 crossed 2 million in January, 2018 again, crossing 3 million right now churning about 1.5% of their revenue per month, but expansion covers that. So 0% on a net basis, spending up to 12 months of, uh, of of ACV or or ARPU on CAC, and he's really fundamentally trying to figure out how to make that model grow with the latest round of funding. 7.5 million raised to date. Bill Babel, Pingboard, thank you for taking us to the top.
1: Thanks, that was a great summary.